guys, and welcome back to Mystery and Comedy Old Time Video Podcast. Please welcome back to the show Miss Frances Lankford with Mr. Lou Parker as John Dickerson in the NBC comedy show The Dickersons. In this first episode, we find Blanche going through her morning routine with John. Every morning, it's the same thing. But this morning, she has a proposition to help John fix his snoring by having a new doctor who has worked on an experiment to shorten his uvula so that way he won't have his snoring problems anymore. Unfortunately for John, he does not want to go through with it because of how much it will cost him. So, as we go on, John ends up going ahead with the surgery, even though it'll cost him quite a bit of money to do it. But Blaine doesn't want John to be alone, so she brings herself to the hospital and spends the night with John before his surgery the next morning. Towards the end of the night, the Bickersons are arguing once again, and the title of that episode is called John Snoring, and in the second episode, Miss Miss Bickerson and John are arguing about Blanche getting a mink coat. Blanche wants a mink coat because everyone else has a mink coat and she can never get one because John is so tight with his money. But John makes her realize that they don't have very much money to begin with. So he refuses to buy her a mink coat. So Blanche has an idea of getting one when she enters a contest and gets the mink coat for herself. I hope you guys will enjoy Miss Frances Langford and Lou Parker in the CBS comedy show, The Bickersons. Please stay tuned after the show to hear Miss Frances Langford sing a couple of her songs. And once again, guys, enjoy the show. Thanks. Philip Morris presents The Bickersons, produced, broadcast, and transcribed from Hollywood, starring Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Believe in yourself. Compare Philip Morris. Match Philip Morris. Judge Philip Morris against any other brand. Then decide for yourself which cigarette is milder, tastier, more enjoyable. Believe in yourself. And you'll believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. Oh, 
They fight, they yell, they squabble and squawk. But they love each other as much as any married couple in the world. That's Francis Langford and Lou Parker, stars of Philip Rapp's humorous creation, The Bickersons. And here is John Bickerson himself, Lou Parker. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening. Before we don the gloves for our weekly Bickerson bout, I'd like to present my marital sparring partner in another role. Here she is, your purple heart girlfriend, Miss Frances Langford. Thank you. Franny, we received a lot of requests this week from servicemen at the Oak Knoll Hospital in Oakland. Fellows would like to hear you sing Beyond the Blue Horizon. It's my pleasure, Lou. So with the help of Tony Romano and his orchestra, this is for you, boys. In a moment, we'll have a look in at the Bickersons. But first, I'd like to have a word with the most important person in the world when it comes to choosing a cigarette. That person, of course, is you. We of Philip Morris believe that no one's taste is more important to you than your taste. No one's judgment is more important to you than your judgment. That's why we ask you to believe in yourself. That's why, unlike others, we of Philip Morris never ask you to test our brand alone. That's no test, because it gives you no choice. We say compare Philip Morris, match Philip Morris, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Then make your own choice according to your own taste, your own judgment. In short, believe in yourself. Later, you'll hear an interview with an actual smoker, not an actor, not a paid performer, but a real person who will make the only fair cigarette test, the Philip Morris nose test. I know you'll be interested, so stay with us, won't you? Now, light up a Philip Morris, and let's join Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Pickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. Every morning, it's the same thing. 
Rush, rush, rush. Get up at 7 and make breakfast for you, then clear the things away, straighten the house, make the bed, do the shopping, do the laundry. <laughs> Why can't I have a maid, John? John! Hmm? John Vickerson. How can you fall asleep at the breakfast table? It ain't easy with all that talking going on. <laughs> Wake me in five minutes, Blanche. Take your face out of the oatmeal and sit up straight. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I don't know why I bother to make breakfast for you anyway. You never eat it. What's wrong with the oatmeal, John? Too lumpy. How do you know? You didn't taste it. Didn't have to taste it. I got a lump on my head. Got it all over your clothes, too. You can't go to work looking like that. Go in and change your suit. What for? My other suit looks worse. No, it doesn't. I had it clean. Clean? You had no right to do that. Who told you to have my suit clean? What's wrong with you, John? There was a big stain on the lapel. It was filthy. What do you mean, filthy? That was a bourbon stain. I've been saving it for months. What for? In case there's liquor rationing, I don't want to be caught short. Where's my hat, Blanche? I've got a big day ahead of me, and I'm so tired I can't keep my eyes open. Well, it's your own fault if you're tired every morning. Your snoring keeps you awake. You keep me awake. It amounts to the same thing. Your snoring wakes me up, and I wake you up to stop it. Why don't you have an operation? What are you talking about? There's no operation to cure snoring. Yes, there is. I cut an article out of the paper about a snore doctor. His name is Dr. Rasper. Dr. Rasper? He was the head of surgery at a goat clinic in Salzburg. <laughs> Goats don't snore. I know they don't. He just used them for experiments. Can't hurt you to let him try, can it? Blanche, I can't afford any operations. I haven't had a single order in three weeks. Maybe there's an order in that letter that came for you. What letter? It arrived yesterday. It's in a big, fat, official-looking envelope. Well, why didn't you tell me yesterday? I wasn't talking to you yesterday. Where is it? Where's the letter? I sent it back to the post office. Blanche, that letter might contain a big order. What did you send it back for? There was 28 cents posted due on it, and I didn't want to break a dollar. <laughs> Pick it up on your way to work. Lend me 28 cents for the postage due. Here. Now, John, you've got to promise me that you'll go through with the operation to cure your snoring. Oh, forget about that quack doctor. He's not a quack. Just listen to what the news. I says. haven't time. It'll only take a minute. Listen. Dr. Hugo Rasper, eminent respiratory surgeon, has accepted a residency at Park Haven Hospital. Mm. The doctor, a former goat specialist, attained national prominence through his many experiments on snoring. Among his most celebrated patients were the late Lord Martin, the late Charles Canterbury, and the late Countess... John, where are you going? I'm going out of here before you make me the late John Bickerson. <laughs> I'm getting dressed. Be right in. I was down at the market shopping. I never saw such prices. Can you lend me some eggs, Blanche? You were down at the market. Why didn't you buy some? At 93 cents a dozen? That's what we pay. I don't lay them myself, you know. <laughs> Forget about the eggs. What are you putting on those old rags for? Well, I've got to see a doctor. What's wrong with you? It's not me. It's John. Clara, does Barney ever disturb you in the middle of the night? Terribly. Sleeps with a smile on his face. <laughs> if I ever find out who he's dreaming about, I'll kill him. Well, John snores and he's driving me mad. I'm going to arrange to have him operated on. Who are you going to, Dr. Hersey? No, Dr. Rasper. He's a surgeon who just arrived in town, and there's a whole article in today's paper about his new operation to cure snorers. Dr. Hersey's going to be terribly hurt. All these years, you've sort of been promising him John's nose, and here you are giving it to a perfect stranger. Well, Dr. Rasper's a specialist, 
Dr. Hersey can have any other part of Johnny wants. <laughs> I just want this snoring operation to be perfect. Doesn't sound good to me. Well, listen, Clara, in mm. case I get detained at the hospital, would you kind of look in on our animals? Well, what do you feed them? Well, the canary gets tomato juice, the goldfish gets hamburger, and the cat gets a can of Puss in Boots. You give that to the cat? I've been feeding it to Barney. Do you like it? Loves it. And you ought to see the way his eyes shine in the dark. Well, I've got to go and make arrangements for the doctor now. Uh, Blanche, look, I don't want to mix in, but do you think John will agree to be operated on? You know how he always screams about money. Yes, but there's a special delivery letter for him at the post office, and John seemed to think it was a big order. He gets a commission on every bowling ball he sells, you know. But an operation might cost hundreds of dollars. Well, Dr. Asper has a convenient credit plan, and the way it works is that you're completely healed the day you make your last payment. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, suppose this big order is for, say, 20 bowling balls a week. Mm-hmm. How long would it take John to make $300 if his commission is a cent and a half a ball? I don't know, but it seems like an awful long time for a man to have his nose in a sling. Next? You got a special delivery letter here for John Bickerson? Oh, you want the dead letter window. You're on the wrong line. I've been on six lines. Dead letters, stamps, parcel posts, registered letters, money orders, and complaint department. I've been kicked back and forth in this building like a used Republican. Would you mind lowering your voice? Part of our civil service examination is a hearing test. Oh, is that so? Yes, it is. I happen to be a government employee, you know. I don't care if you're Margaret Truman. I'm a taxpayer. <laughs> this is not the Bureau of Internal Revenue. There's a lot of things it's not, including a post office. Yeah. But there's a special delivery letter here for me, and I'm going to get it. <laughs> Why did you break our weighing scale? I didn't break it. It must have been weak. Now, where's my letter? And don't tell me you haven't got it or I'll have you arrested for robbing the mail. I'm looking for your letter now. Wasted a whole morning in this broken-down post office. Oh, here we are. Homer Thicket. Thickerson's the name. John Bickerson. Sorry, nothing with that name. What about that one on top? That looks like my name. Let me see it. It is mine. I've lost out on a big order on account of your stupidity... What the devil is this? Looks like an advertising circular. Dear fellow sufferer, Dr. Rasper can end your snoring forever. In a moment, we'll join the happy Bickersons. Right now, it's time to join our roving reporter, Jay Jackson, for the story of his interview with an actual smoker in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, Jay Jackson. Hello there. This is Jay Jackson. While we've been setting up our microphones here in the beautiful lobby of the Hotel Peabody in Memphis, my assistant has been talking to some of the guests and has located a volunteer to take the Philip Morris nose test. Are we all set, Frank? All set, Jay. Jay, I'd like you to meet Mrs. Frank Marshall of Memphis, Tennessee. Mrs. Marshall is not a Philip Morris smoker. Thank you, Frank. How do you do, Mrs. Marshall? Fine, thank you. Now, about this test, I'd like to ask you one favor first. For obvious reasons, don't refer to your present cigarette, please, by its brand name. All right? All right. All right, Mrs. Marshall. Now, let me offer you a Philip Morris cigarette. There we 
are. Do you have one of your own brand handy? Yes, I do. Good. Now, which of the two cigarettes would you prefer to light first? Oh, it doesn't make any difference. Well, suppose you make the choice. All right, I'll light Philip Morris. Philip Morris first. All right. Now, I'll light it for you, then I want you to take a puff. Do not inhale. Let the smoke come slowly through your nose. That's the idea. And that was the Philip Morris first, right? That was. Now, Mrs. Marshall, let's try exactly the same test with your own cigarette, which I notice is also one of the leading brands. I'll light it for you. I want you to take a puff. Do not inhale. And let the smoke come slowly through your nose. There we are. Now, Mrs. Marshall, you've tried exactly the same test with both cigarettes. First with the Philip Morris, then your own brand, right? Right. Tell me, please, what difference, Danny, did you notice between the two cigarettes? Well, the Philip Morris seemed much milder. You found the Philip Morris milder than your yes, own cigarette? I did. Well, Mrs. Marshall, you've just confirmed the judgment of thousands of other smokers all over the country who have also found that Philip Morris is milder. Thank you so much. All right. Remember this, the test you just heard is entirely voluntary and no promise of any kind, no payment whatsoever is made for any statement in the interview. Friends, the Philip Morris Nose Test is the only fair test, for it allows you to compare, match, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Yes, try this test. Believe in yourself. And you too will believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. And now, once again, here are Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Bickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. Well, even the persistent dripping of water will eventually wear away a stone. So after seven years of cycloid insomnia, or blasters reaction... John Bickerson has finally yielded to Blanche's demands and consented to allow a specialist to relieve his condition. Outside his room at the Park Haven Hospital, Blanche Bickerson has a last-minute conversation with Dr. Rasper. Listen. He's all right, Mrs. Bickerson. The nurse is giving him a sedative now. But nothing can go wrong, can it, Dr. Rasper? He won't be in surgery over 15 minutes, and there's absolutely no danger whatever. What causes a man to snore like that, doctor? Well, he's a mouth breather, very likely suffering from Kleinfeld's stertor, a respiratory disorder resulting from a postpharyngeal condition. Does he drink anything? Anything. <laughs> the operation won't hurt, will it? Not the slightest. All we have to do is take a stitch in his palate and shorten his uvula. Well, I hate to bring this up now, Dr. Asper, but how much will it cost? The fee will be $50 with the anesthetic. How much is it without the anesthetic? <laughs> I should say about $40, but I wouldn't advise the operation without it. All right, Dr. Rasper. I think you better run along, Mrs. Bickerson. It's past midnight. He's got to get a good night's rest, and you can come and see him in the morning. Well, I'll just look in on him to make sure he's sleeping. Very well. Good night, Mrs. Bickerson. Good night, doctor. He left one of his goats here. sleep like that. I cleaned the kitchen, I plucked the canary, I scaled the goldfish, and I milked the cat. Everything's taken care of. Let me sleep. John, what are you talking about? We're in the hospital. Who's sick? 
Nobody's sick. You're going to have an operation. Dr. Raster's going to shorten your uvula in the morning. And what did you wake me up now for? Well, you were snoring. I was afraid you'd wear it off before I got a chance to operate. I don't know why I let you talk me into this. Who made that broken-down Dr. Rasper such an authority on... Stop cranking the bed up. What are you doing, Blanche? You weren't sleeping properly, and I'm supposed to see that you get a good night's rest. I was sleeping fine. Why did you tilt me like this? I was afraid the snores would roll down your throat and poison you. Blanche, will you please crank me down? You keep your voice down, John Jacobson. You're disturbing the other patients. I still don't know why you have to have an operation to cure your snoring. I didn't want it. You've been working on me for seven years to do it. I'm beginning to think it's a waste of money. I could have used that $50. Still walking around in a short dress. What are you beefing about? Tomorrow I'll be walking around in a short uvula. (laughs) Put out the lights. You mustn't excite yourself, dear. Open your mouth. What for? Just hand me that thermometer. I want to take your temperature. Blanche, they took my temperature eight different ways. (laughs) I'll check it again before we go to sleep. We? Blanche, what are you doing in your nightgown? You're not going to sleep here, are you? Yes, I am. It only costs $5 extra to have that cop moved in here, and that silly night nurse gets $10 a day. What about it? Well, I'm going to take her place and save the money. Now, open your mouth like a good boy. There. Keep that thermometer in there while I check your pulse. Hmm. There isn't any nurse that can do anything that I can. There, your pulse is normal. It's steady as clockwork. You've got your fingers on my wristwatch. <laughs> Shouldn't be wearing a wristwatch. Not good to have constriction when you're sleeping. Let me see that thermometer. Here. Yeah. What does it say? Murphy's Bar and Grill. <laughs> what was this swizzle stick doing in that glass? I had them deliver me a highball. And if you think that hot water bottle is full of hot water, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Bourbon. If Dr. Rasper knew about this, he wouldn't operate on you. Why don't you tell him? I'd love it. Now, please don't get excited, dear. It's my job to see that you get a good night's rest, and I'm not going to let anything disturb you. Well, put out the lights. I want to be sure that you have the right sleeping position. Now, stretch your feet out a little more. Mm. And move over in the center. Mm. Don't bury your head that way. There. Are you comfortable? Fine. Relaxed? Hmm. Will you be able to sleep well? Sleep well. That's fine. Now, get up and unpack my bag. <laughs> your bag. I thought you were putting me to sleep. I was just testing. Unpack my bag, John. Why don't you unpack it? I have to refill this hot water bottle. I don't need any hot water bottle. Not for you. It's for me. What? I still have a little indigestion from those clams I ate for dinner. You always take me to those cheap restaurants. Whole dinner disagreed with me. It wouldn't dare. (laughs) Now, don't start getting irritable. I've done plenty for you, so you can do something for me. Unpack my bag, John. Uh, where's my slipper? Did you bring my slipper? It's under the bed in that little foot bath. Foot bath? Big nurse. <laughs> Look at the size of this suitcase. What did you bring it for? It only staying one night. You never can tell. Put the stuff away. There's no closet. Where'll I put these dresses? In the drawers. What do you want these drawers? In the dresser. (laughs) Okay, now I can get some... Blanche! Crank me up, John. What are you doing in my bed? I'm the one who's getting operated on. You have no right to be in my bed eating fruit and candy. Maybe you'd like me to send you some flowers. No, but tell the floor nurse I can have visitors between 2 and 4 tomorrow. I'll feel better then. 
Am I supposed to sleep in that old wooden cot? Yes, it's easier to watch over you from here. There's nothing but a spring on this cot, not even a mattress. Well, that'll keep you off your back and you won't snore tonight. Just crawl between the blankets. I want you to be well rested for the operation. Put out the lights. In a minute. Was everything all right at the house when you left? Fine. I would have checked things myself if I didn't have to prepare you for your admission here. Maybe I should have stayed home. Hmm. John, I'm worried about the house. Don't worry. I think I left the electric heater on in the bathroom. It might burn the place up. Won't burn. Did you turn it off? No. Well, how do you know it won't start a fire? I left the water running in the bathtub. <laughs> well, stop popping your topper. I checked everything. You should have taken the animals with us. Mm. Poor little canary is locked in the cage, and cat can't get out of the house, and who's going to feed the goldfish? I'll bet they're terribly unhappy. Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation. They are not. They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing. Fishing? Where? <laughs> in the goldfish bowl, and he was using the canary for bait. <laughs> the canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish the cat would drop dead. Why are you so mean? I'm not mean. I'm full of those sleeping pills, and I can't keep my eyes open. Now, put out the lights. I'll be through in a minute. Blanche. Why are you plucking your eyebrows at this time of night? I'm not plucking my eyebrows. I'm taking off my false eyelashes. False eyelashes? I didn't know you had bald eyelids. My eyelids are not bald. It's just that my lashes are short and they don't bring out my eyes. Lots of women use false eyelashes. Well, throw them away. You don't need anything to bring out your eyes. I do, too. You do not. I'm satisfied with the way they bulge now. Let me get some sleep. Yes, dear. Just close your eyes. I'm going to read the paper for a little while. Read the paper. There's certainly a lot of activity in Washington. What's all this tax reduction talk? Talk. <laughs> Listen to what Senator Blanche, said. Blanche, I read the paper every word of it. Read it to yourself. Don't be so disagreeable. Dr. Rasper told me to keep you occupied so you won't think about the operation. All I'm thinking about is sleep. That's a good boy. Mustn't get nervous. Hmm. You see what's happening to the stock market? It's going to pieces. Well, why can't we get a piece of it? Put away the paper, Blanche. What's the name of that stock you bought last year? I told you 50 times. Kentucky saw Peter Mines. <laughs> Preferred. Can't even find it listed on the stock page. Look in the help wanted column. <laughs> oh, listen to this. Here's a story about a doctor who left a pair of scissors in... Blanche, will you stop reading to me? I'm nervous and jittery about the operation, and I can't stand the sound of your voice. I can just hear you making those insulting remarks to Gloria Gooseby. Now, don't start with Gloria Gooseby. You wouldn't bite her head off like that without her squealing all over the place. I always bite her, and she never squeals. <laughs> One night, I don't want to hear about it. Go to sleep. Go to sleep, she tells me. In the morning, they're going to cut out my uvula. Seems me up about Gloria. What's that? It's the telephone. Answer it. Why don't you answer it? It's right next to your bed. I'm not supposed to be here. Might be the hospital superintendent, and I don't want him to find out. Go on and answer it. Can't even get me rest in a hospital. Hello? Mrs. Kimford? Huh? The maternity nurse asked me to call you. You can get ready now. They're bringing your baby in for his one o'clock feeding. What? Isn't this room 413? I don't know what it is, but I'm not feeding any baby. 
kind of a hospital is this? I'm going to get out of here. Now, don't go getting hysterical. Just relax. How can I relax? Well, I'm doing my best to see that you get a good night's sleep. I'm so worried I won't be able to close my eyes tonight. What are you worried about? I thought you said it was only a minor operation. Well, I don't care about that. I'm worried about Nature Boy. Who's Nature Boy? The cat. How is he going to get out tonight? What does he want to get out for? John, don't you know it's impossible for certain creatures to be shut up for the night? How well I know it. <laughs> Why don't you go to sleep, Blanche? I can't sleep. I must find out if the cat's all right. Maybe you ought to call him, John. Okay, what'll I call him? <laughs> no, I mean, call him on the telephone. Have you gone stock staring mad, Blanche? How can I call a cat on the telephone? You know it's us, and the ringing of the phone will comfort him. Go on, call Nature Boy. It won't cost anything. Nobody would believe this. <laughs> Calling a cat at 3 o'clock in the morning. Operator. Get me State 7, 9970. State 7, 9970. Thank you. How much can a man stand of this sort of stuff before he cracks up? Oh, don't be so tragic. A lot of people call their pets up. Any sound in the house to break the monotony makes them feel better. Sure. There's no answer. Shall I keep ringing? Just a minute. How many times you wanted to ring, Blanche? You sure she has the right number? Operator, you sure it's the right number? I'll try it again. Hello. Hello, nature boy? Ah. Uh? <laughs> Are you all right? Fine. Good. I left the big dish of catnip under the sink. Don't touch the canary. Okay. Goodbye. There, the cat feels fine. Who answered that phone? I thought you were kidding. Did somebody answer? It must have been the wrong number. You think so, John? Of course I think so. Don't start making you believe that a cat can talk. Blanche, I can't stand any more of this. I'm going home. You get right back in that bed. Dr. Rasper will never forgive me if you run out on I don't care. I don't trust that doctor, and I don't believe he knows what he's doing. I'm getting out of here. You are not. Everything's been prepared. The surgery, the nurses, the anesthetic. They'll think you're crazy, John. Blanche, it won't work, I tell you. There's no operation to get cure. Sorry, the guy's a fake. What's he charging you? Fifty dollars. Blanche, I appeal to your sense of economy. I'm a perfectly healthy guy. Never been sick a day in my life. That snoring operation won't work and we'll be out $50. We won't be out a penny. I made a deal with Dr. Rasper. What deal? If the operation isn't a success, he's going to take out your liver and appendix for nothing. Uh <laughs> Good night, Blanche. Good night. Francis Langford and Lou Parker are standing by for a curtain call. In the meantime, for America's finest cigarette, here's another call well worth remembering. Remember, Philip Morris is definitely less irritating, definitely milder than any other leading brand. Remember, no cigarette hangover means more smoking pleasure. So... Now, here are John and Blanche Bickerson as Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Say, Lou, I was talking to your wife yesterday, and she told me you just bought a big ranch out in the valley. That's right, Francis. You know, my wife is a city girl, and she doesn't know as much about ranch life as I do. We'd like you to come out and see the place, though. I'd love to see it, Lou. But it's only half an acre, but it's got good grass on it, and our livestock is thriving. Livestock? What have you got, chickens? No. Pigs, cows? Oh, nothing like that. 
Well, what kind of livestock are you raising? Gophers. <laughs> Good night. Good night, Francis. Good night, everyone. Be sure to listen next Tuesday night when Philip Morris again will present the Dickersons. And don't miss the Philip Morris Playhouse this coming Thursday night over this same station when Philip Morris will present An Inspector Calls. That's Thursday night for the Philip Morris Playhouse over CBS. In the meantime, don't forget to... came to you transcribed from Hollywood, California. Tonight's cast included Shirley Mitchell, Peter Leeds, and John Brown. This is John Holbrook speaking. Philip Morris presents The Bickerson, starring Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Believe in yourself. Yes, believe in yourself. Compare Philip Morris. Match Philip Morris. Judge Philip Morris against any other brand. Then decide for yourself which cigarette is milder, tastier, more enjoyable. Believe in yourself. And you'll believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. They fight, they yell, they squabble and squawk, but they love each other as much as any married couple in the world. That's Francis Langford and Lou Parker, stars of Philip Rapp's humorous creation, The Dickersons, produced and broadcast transcribed from Hollywood. And here is John Dickerson himself, Lou Parker. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening. Before we go any further, on behalf of Francis Langford and myself, courtesy demands that I thank you for your many kind letters regarding our first program. But in this matter, if you didn't send any, we'll dispense with that formality. <laughs> Instead, I'd like to take this opportunity to present my favorite actress and singer, lovely Francis Langford. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we mentioned on our first show that Francis would sing any number requested by a boy in the service. So if you're a G.I., drop us a line. Tonight we've chosen a letter from a, the first Army man to come back from Korea, Corporal Thomas L. Alvarez, who's at the Wadsworth VA Hospital, and he'd like to hear on the sunny side of the street. Is that in your book, Francis? Right on page one. Good. So with the help of Tony Romano and his orchestra, this is for you, Tommy. <laughs> your coat and get your hat, leave your worries on the doorstep, life can be so sweet on the sunny side of the street, can't you hear that bit of pride and that happy tune is your set, just direct your feet 
In a moment, we'll have a look in at the Dickersons. But first, I'd like to have a word with the most important person in the world when it comes to choosing a cigarette. That person, of course, is you. We of Philip Morris believe that no one's taste is more important to you than your taste. No one's judgment is more important to you than your judgment. That's why we ask you to believe in yourself. That's why, unlike others... We of Philip Morris never ask you to test our brand alone. That's no test, because it gives you no choice. We say compare Philip Morris, match Philip Morris, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Then make your own choice, according to your own taste, your own judgment. In short, believe in yourself. Later, you'll hear an interview with an actual smoker. Not an actor, not a paid performer, but a real person who will make the only fair cigarette test, the Philip Morris nose test. I know you'll be interested, so stay with us, won't you? Now, light up a Philip Morris, and let's join Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Bickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. Bickersons are at the breakfast table. Adhering to the belief that it's wise to start the day with a substantial meal, they sat too diligently at the groaning board. Blanche is groaning and John is bored. John, you're not listening. Hmm? I've been talking to you for five minutes and you haven't heard a word I said. Have two. What did I say? You said, John, you're not listening. I mean, before that. I wasn't listening before that. What? I'm sorry, Blanche. I got to finish these sales reports. What did you say? Well, for your information, Lorraine White's husband got her a new Cadillac last week. Good. And Elsie Block is on her third mink. Well, her husband's a butcher. They can afford to eat mink and wear steak. <laughs> well, why aren't you a butcher? What butcher? You just didn't have enough brains to see the beef boom coming. <laughs> Listen, Blanche, I don't know what you've got on your mind this morning, but I haven't got time for it. Well, I'm just sick of going around dressed like a pauper. Wherever I go, all the women point at me and say, there goes Bickerson's wife. Look how she's dressed. For heaven's sakes, look how I'm dressed and I'm Bickerson. <laughs> Forget about mink coats, Blanche. We can't afford it. Where's my hat? You're wearing it. Where are you rushing? You've still got 15 minutes and you haven't eaten a thing. I haven't time. I'll eat out. 
Why don't you eat at home? I'm not hungry now. Save it for my supper tonight. It won't keep. I saved it from your supper last night. <laughs> I'm not going to throw away perfectly good food. Well, then give it to the cat. You hate that cat, don't you? Blanche, <laughs> please, I'll be late. Where's my vacuum cleaner? You're wearing it. Must you carry that hose around your neck? I only have two hands. Open the door. Here, take the orange juice squeezer with you. Is that thing broken again? Cost me $6 to have it fixed last week. Well, they didn't do a good job. The first time I used it, an onion got caught in the motor. Why don't you fix it? I'll fix it tonight. You say it, but you won't do it. Do it now. What? Go on, take off that vacuum cleaner and fix the orange juices. Blanche, I gotta go to work. I can't be fixing orange juices. Well, you've been screaming about saving money. All right, I might as well. I don't make $6 a day. Give it to me. The tools are in the bread box. Hello, Mrs. Pickerson. Here's your fur coat. I put a new label in. Nobody noticed it. Keep your voice down. My husband's still here. Oh. Well, I'll bring it back later, huh? No. No. Please, Mr. Strom, I can't afford it. You'll have to give me my money back. Money back? I already changed the label and dyed the collar. I can't help it. I have to have the money back. Please. Bye. Just a minute, John. Listen, Mr. Strom, take the money over to Barney's house and leave it there. I'll do business with you some other time. Who is that at the door? No, I told him we didn't want any. Did you fix the orange juicer? I fixed it. How could you fix it? Needed a new motor. I hooked it up to the vacuum cleaner. Does it work? It works fine. Except it sucks up the juice and spits the pits in your face. <laughs> so long, Blanche. rush all the way over here? What's so important that you couldn't have told me over the phone? Barney's friend, Mr. Stern, was here. You know, the furrier. Oh, good. Pass the ketchup. Did he leave the money? No. Well, what did he leave? He left town. Oh, Barney. <laughs> don't worry, I got the coat. But I don't want the coat. I can't afford to keep it. Barney, you've got to get that money back. It's John's insurance money. So what? He's good for years yet. More of them goat ribs, Clara. Stop eating so much and help me figure out a way to get that money back. The best way is to ask John for it. He hasn't got it. He hasn't got it. Well, he'll get it. There's always money for an emergency. What emergency? What emergency? Barney, go into your den. I want to talk to Blanche alone. Secret. Every time they got secrets, I have to go sit in my den. <laughs> Give me some of that rutabaga pudding. Thanks. Goodbye. It's very simple, Blanche. John's so soft-hearted... Tell him that mother's sick and you have to go visit her. But I don't want to go all the way to Omaha. You don't go to Omaha. You get the fare from John and come stay with us for a few days. Well, if you really have to go, Blanche, if your mother is that sick, I'll make the sacrifice and let you go. But I'm going to miss you terribly. What are you smiling at? Uh, nothing. <laughs> Thinking of a funny thing, one of my customers. Never mind. Said, Where's the fare? It's in the sugar bowl. I was saving it for my but insurance. Don't cut that. What? Get away from that bowl, John. What's wrong? Well, something terrible would happen if I used that money. Huh? It's bad luck. Everybody knows it's bad luck to give insurance money to a wife to use for fare to visit a sick mother. I never heard of such a thing. All right, I won't go. Wait a minute. If you're so superstitious, I'll withdraw the money from our Christmas fund savings. Well, fine. I'll pick up the train ticket at the same time. Well, you and you can't do that. Why not? It's no trouble. It isn't bad. It's bad luck. Everything's bad luck. What do you want me to do? Well, you've got to give me the cash right now and let me buy the ticket myself. 
Well, the only money I've got on me is the vacuum cleaner installments I collected today. Now that's good luck. Here are the groceries, Mr. Biggerson. He's Mrs. Biggerson away. He's been gone three days. Her mother's been sick. Put that stuff in the kitchen. Where's the kitchen? Right behind that stack of dirty dishes in the doorway. <laughs> Watch your step. Hey, maybe you'd like my wife to clean up for you while Mrs. Pickerson is gone. My wife is a fine housekeeper. I'll manage. For a couple of dollars, she would clean up that big pile of dirty laundry. That's my bed. <laughs> you got any matches? I've used up a whole box trying to light this stove. Thanks. I'll handle it now. Let's see, where are the eggs? Here. What are you staring at? Lots of people like to fry eggs in their coffee. Sure. What do you mean, sure? You think you can do better? I think so. If you like, I make you anything you like. All I want is an omelet. You mean just plain omelet? Yes. Okay. <laughs> now you chop up this onion while I melt the cheese and open up some beans. Plain omelet. Here's the chopped onion. You didn't peel it. I never peel it. It spoils the vitamins. Why is there a mushroom-shaped cloud coming out of that pan? The top fell off of the chili powder. I'll stir in some cornstarch. You want me to slap the eggs in? Oh, you don't need the eggs. Huh? Spoils the taste. <laughs> Get a plate, Mr. Biggerson. She's ready now. Plain omelet. Yeah. Thanks very much. Here's a half a buck for your trouble. Oh, thank you. First time I ever saw a dish like this. First time I ever made it. Hello? Are you the party who pays the call to Omaha? Yes. Well, the number still doesn't answer. We'll keep trying and call you back. Thank you. Hello, Clara. How was the movie? No good. Barney's staying it over. Wish I hadn't gone. Did you give little Ernie a bath? No. Listen, Clara, I don't see why a 14-year-old kid can't bathe himself. <laughs> What's the matter with you, Blanche? You've been on edge for two days. Sick of this. Barney engineered the deal with the coat. You made me lie to my husband. Now, don't blame Barney. He's putting himself out plenty to make you comfortable here. Comfortable? You've been using me for a scrub woman and a nursemaid and a laundress, and on top of it all, I have to sleep in the bathtub. I'd rather go home and take the consequences. You make it sound like I'm getting some gain out of it, Blanche. After all, who's going to get the pleasure of the mink coat? You or me? I am. So if you don't mind, I wish you'd take it off and let me get out of here. <laughs> Well, sooner or later, the truth will out for poor Blanche Dickerson. Right now, we invite you to hear the truth on a more serious matter. You'll hear it not from an actor, not from a paid performer, but from a real person. From a smoker who was interviewed by our roving reporter at the entrance to Central Park on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Let's listen. Hello there. This is Jay Jackson. While we've been arranging our microphones here at the entrance to Central Park on Fifth Avenue in New York City, my assistant has located a volunteer to take the Philip Morris nose test. We all set, Frank? <laughs> 
All set, Jay. Jay, I'd like you to meet Miss Marilyn Joppy from Bronx, New York. Miss Joppy is not a Philip Morris smoker. Thank you, Frank. And how do you do, Miss Joppy? How do you do? About this test, let me ask you one favor. For obvious reasons, please don't refer to your present cigarette by its brand name, okay? All right. All right, Miss Joppy. Now, let me offer you a Philip Morris cigarette. Here we are. Do you happen to have one of your own brand handy? Fine. Now, which of the two cigarettes would you prefer to light first, Miss Joppy? It makes no difference. Philip Morris. Philip Morris first? All right, let me light it for you. Then I want you to take a puff. Do not inhale. And let the smoke come slowly through your nose. That's the idea, and that was the Philip Morris first, right? Now, Miss Joppy, let's try exactly the same thing with one of your own cigarettes. I notice that's also one of the leading brands. I'll light it for you. I want you to take a puff. Do not inhale. And let the smoke come slowly through your nose. That's the idea. Now, Miss Joppy, you've tried exactly the same test with both cigarettes. The Philip Morris first, and then your own brand, right? Right. Tell me, please, what difference, if any, did you notice between the two cigarettes? Oh, uh, the Philip Morris is milder. You found that the Philip Morris was milder. Mm-hmm. Well, Miss Joppy, you've just confirmed the judgment of thousands of other smokers who have also found that Philip Morris is milder. Thank you so much, Miss Joppy. Remember this. The test you just heard is entirely voluntary. and No promise of any kind, no payment whatsoever is made for any statement in the interview. Friends, the Philip Morris Nose Test is the only fair test, for it allows you to compare, match, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Yes, try this test. Believe in yourself. And you, too, will believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. Now, back to Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Dickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. Well, Blanche is back in her own bed again. It's three o'clock in the morning, but tortured by guilt, Mrs. Dickerson lies tense and awake in the darkness as poor husband John suffers through another attack of undulant insomnia or blaster's reflex. Listen. What's the matter? What's the matter, Blanche? I'm going out of my mind. Haven't you caused me enough trouble for one night? What trouble? What's the matter, Blanche? Why didn't you let me in when I came home from Mother's tonight? I knocked on the door till my knuckles were blue. I didn't hear you. You didn't want to hear me. Stood out there in the hall completely exhausted. Fell asleep twice. What other man would let his wife sleep in the hall, John? John Hall. (laughs) You'd better not be so funny, Mr. Dickerson. Blanche, I'm not being funny. I'm just sleepy, that's all. I finally had to wake the janitor to let me in. I was never so embarrassed in all my life. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Oh, no? He opened the letterbox to look for the extra key and found this pint of bourbon. Give me that. What was it doing in the letterbox, John? That's my dividend. I belong to the Bottle of the Month Club. <laughs> that's why we never have any money. You squander every penny on bourbon. I don't squander anything on bourbon. Not much. The whole house is full of empty bottles. Where did they come from if you didn't buy them? I never bought an empty bottle in my life, and you know it. Why don't you get rid of them? 
answer me, John. Why are you so attached to a lot of dead bourbon bottles? I was with them when they passed away. <laughs> Blanche, you spent a few days with your mother and you had a good rest. Now you come home and you're twice as jumpy. Well, I can't help it. You act like you hate me. Blanche, darling, I don't hate you. Are you sorry I came home? You know I am. What? I mean, no. <laughs> did you miss me? Yes. I don't believe it. You never missed me for a minute. I tell you, I did. Well, say it. I missed you for a minute. <laughs> Please put out the lights and let me get some sleep. Nobody knows how I suffer. I take a long trip to Omaha and come home to have you scream at me. I'm not screaming. You might at least ask me how I enjoyed my trip. I'll ask you in the morning. You knew my mother wasn't feeling too well. Wouldn't hurt for you to ask how she is. How is she? What do you care? I don't. I'm just trying to be polite. Well, you needn't try. I'm fully aware of how much you despise my family, and they feel the same way about you. Is that so? Yes, it is. In all the years we've been married, you've never cared about a single member of my family. How can you say that, Blanche? Not a day goes by that I don't inquire the state of your rich uncle's health. I don't like the way you inquire. What do you mean? It isn't nice to keep asking, is the old goat dead yet? Blanche, I just wish you'd let me sleep for one night without disturbing. I didn't disturb you for a whole week, did I? Three days. All right, three days. I just hate to think of what you've done to this place since I've been gone. Suppose you left a stack of dirty dishes in the sink. No dishes. Were the animals fed regularly? Every day. Did you put fresh sand in the cat's bed? Mmm. The water in the goldfish bowl should have been changed on Sunday. I changed it. I cleaned up everything. How's the canary? I don't know. I haven't seen him since I vacuumed his cage. <laughs> don't no, don't blow your top. The canary's fine. Did you give him his bath? I gave him his bath. I powdered his tail and I plucked his eyebrows. What do you want from me, Blanche? Where's Nature Boy? Who's Nature Boy? The cat. Did you let him out tonight? No. Why not? He never came in. <laughs> Listen, Blanche, I knocked myself out working all day, then come home and have to play nursemaid to a broken-down canary in an alley cat. He's a beautiful cat, and I love him. I hate him. Well, you wouldn't feel that way if you got a little friendly with him. It's easy to make up to a cat. Mm. Why don't you bring him something to play with? I'll bring him a dog in the morning. <laughs> Good night. What was that? What was what? There's a mouse in the room, John. There's no mouse. I swear I heard a mouse squeak. Well, what do you want me to do? Get up and oil it? <laughs> oh, it's the cat. Poor thing looks half starved since I've been away. He ate more than I did. Go to sleep, Blanche. Suppose I'll have to get some groceries tomorrow. Are there any eggs for breakfast? No. Then you'll have to eat out. I don't care. I've been doing it all week. Well, don't blame me. I worked for three hours before I left to bake you a lovely rhubarb pie. I'll bet you didn't even touch it. It didn't look good. What was the matter with it? Whoever heard of a pie two feet long? <laughs> well, I couldn't get any shorter rhubarb. <laughs> I can't understand why you didn't eat home. I left enough food for a week. Mm. I cooked a whole bathtub full of rice. What happened to it? I took a bath in it. <laughs> Why didn't you eat it? I've told you a million times I can't stand the sight of rice. Why not? Because it's connected with one of the saddest mistakes of my life. <laughs> All right, John Dickinson. Just for that, I'll never do another thing for you. No more cooking. Good. No more laundry. Wonderful. Maybe you won't be so smug if you don't get a clean tablecloth. I can eat without a tablecloth. I'm not talking about eating. What do you mean? What do you think you've been sleeping on? <laughs> what? 
what happened to the bed sheets? Why do I have to sleep on a tablecloth? Well, it was two soils to use on the table, but not dirty enough to go to the laundry. Listen to me, Blanche. I work hard for a living, and I want to sleep on a bed sheet. Well, I work hard, too. It's about time you got me a maid. You had a maid. Yes, but how long was she with us? She was never with us. She was against this from the start. Well, she was no good anyway. She never swept behind the door. She did, too. She swept everything behind the door. I can't afford to hire any maid, and you know it. Put out the lights and let me get some sleep. I can just hear you raising your voice to Gloria Gooseby. Now, don't start with Gloria Gooseby. Believe me, if you were around her for a little while, you'd cool off in a hurry. I've been around her for hours, and I never cool off. Like she's hypnotized. She doesn't stand. It's just that she wears those outlandish dresses and they bring out her eyes. They bring out yours, too. Now listen to me, Blanche. Oh, hush up and go to sleep. Go to sleep, she says. Put sand in my rhubarb. Gives me rice baths. Gloria Goosby. My head is splitting. I'll never sleep another wink as long as I. John. Hmm. The telephone. Answer it. Hello. Go to the phone and answer. It must be four o'clock in the morning. Oh, oh! Put on the light. The lights are on. Take off your sleep shade. Hello. We're ready now on your call to Omaha. What call to Omaha? You better give it to me, John. Here is your party. Let go, Blanche. I'm not going to be charged for a call to Omaha that I didn't make. Operator. Hello. Is that you, John? What's wrong with Blanche? Nothing's wrong with Blanche, Mother. Why? Give me the phone. In a minute. Hello. John, you're keeping something from me. Why did Blanche try to call me from Clara's house? From Clara's? Give it to me, John, before it's too late. Let go. I tell you, there's nothing wrong with Blanche. She's fine. Then why doesn't she ever come to visit me? It's been two years since I've seen her. Two years, huh? (laughs) Just a minute, Mother. I'll put Blanche on. Never mind, it's too late. Go on, Blanche. The least you can do is talk to your poor sick mother that you haven't seen in two years. Get on the phone. Hello? What's wrong, Blanche? He's been beating you? Not yet. What? Nothing, Mother. I was all... It was all a mistake. I'll call you back in the morning. But, Blanche... I've got to hang up now, Mother. Something's burning. In the middle of the night, what could be burning? Me. Bye, Mother. Better start talking, Blanche. Why did you tell me you were going to Omaha? Now, don't get angry. Where's the money I gave you for fair? Fair? Yes, fair. Where's the money? I haven't got it. What have you done with the money, Blanche? Sit up, John. I bought a mink coat. A mink coat? How much was it? Lie down, John. (laughs) Blanche, how dare you go out and spend money on a mink coat? We can't afford a mink coat. Don't scream at me. I deny myself everything. I've been nailing rubber heels on my socks to save on shoes. <laughs> Last week, I hocked my fillings to pay the dentist bill. I never spend a penny on myself. And she has to have a mink coat. You bought a tie last week. It wasn't a tie. It was a rope to hold my jacket together. <laughs> Where's the coat? Let me see it. Oh, you love it, John. It's not nearly as expensive as you think, either. Barney said it was a steal. Barney? Oh, that chisel. Yes. Isn't it gorgeous? Well, take it out of that burlap bag. 
isn't in any bag. That's the coat. <laughs> what kind of a coat is that? It hasn't got any fur on it. That's the latest style, silly. Bald mink. Bald mink? <laughs> How can you squander my good money for a bald mink? It's nice and cool for summer wear. Look at the lovely cut. Aren't the pockets roomy? They won't even hold a quart. <laughs> Take that coat back, do you hear me? I'm not going into debt for any bald-headed mink. Oh, John, how can you be so cruel? Take it back. Please, John. No. Please. Oh, what's the use? I love you, John. You're the most generous and wonderful husband in the world. Go to sleep, Blanche. Can I keep the coat, John? Oh, I slave and sweat to keep body and soul together. Deprive myself of every tiny luxury to make both ends meet. It isn't worth it. In one fell swoop, she squanders two years' savings. What's a man got to live for? I wish I had the courage to... I think I will. Nobody cares about me anyway. One shot and I'll find peace. John! <laughs> ah. <laughs> Wonderful bourbon. Good night, Blanche. Good night, John. Francis Langford and Lou Parker are standing by for a curtain call. In the meantime, for America's finest cigarette, here's another call well worth remembering. Remember, Philip Morris is definitely less irritating, definitely milder than any other leading brand. Remember, no cigarette hangover means more smoking pleasure. So... And now, here are John and Blanche Bickerson as Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Well, Lou, have you got anything to say? Let me sleep, will you, Patrick? <laughs> He's still John Bickerson. Good night, everybody. Good night. Be sure to listen next Tuesday night when Philip Morris again will present the Dickersons. And don't miss the Philip Morris Playhouse this coming Thursday night over this same station when Philip Morris will present Miss Rosalind Russell starring in True Confessions. That's Thursday night for the Philip Morris Playhouse over CBS. In the meantime, don't forget to... Transcribed from Hollywood, California. John Holbrook speaking.
Francis Langford and her episode on the podcast for this morning. Join me later on tonight as I bring to the show Miss Kathy Lewis and The Feud starring Miss Joan Crawford and Miss Betty Davis. And join me tomorrow morning as I welcome to the show Mr. Edward G. Robertson. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys. You can follow me on your favorite podcast platforms such as Spotify, Google, Apple, and wherever else you get your podcast. Just type in Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast, and it should pull my podcast right up. And once again, guys, thanks.